Well, it's Sunday night, and here we are, soul food, the things you need to know about your Bible. Continuing with uh, a teaching we started last week, the one who trembles at God's word. Isaiah 66, four verses, one to four. Striking verses that we started studying last week. Isaiah 66, one. Get a Bible, and uh, let's study for a little while together. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me, and what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made, so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble, contrite in spirit, and trembles at my word, hence the title. And then these strange words, verse 3, He who slaughters an ox is like one who kills a man. He who sacrifices a lamb like one who breaks a dog's neck. He who presents a grain offering like one who offers pig's blood. He who makes a memorial offering of frankincense like one who blesses an idol. These have chosen their own ways and their soul delights in their abominations. I will also choose harsh treatment for them. God's going to bring harsh treatment, not just the result of their sin. God's going to bring something on them, his wrath. And bring their fears upon them, because when I called, no one answered. God tried to bring them back to get their attention. No one answered. When I spoke, they did not listen. Isn't it interesting? The one who trembles at my word, these people, I spoke, they didn't listen. But they did what was evil in my eyes, chose that in which I did not delight. The theme of this text, the core of all last week's teaching, God's rebuke specifically to people who would keep coming to the temple, keep offering sacrifices, keep obeying the externals of the commandments, but when they left the temple, did their own thing, went their own way. And so God says, even their religious deeds, even the sacrifices and the offerings that's where those, those crazy verses, even the good things they did looked ugly. So he who slaughters an ox, that was the commandment, like one who kills a man. They, they, they thought that they could limit their devotion to the temple or the church or the Bible study or the youth group or whatever it is, and then go their own way and do their own thing. And, and, and the, the, the power of the text is God says it, it makes the religious things you're doing look as ugly as you know, those second parts of those couplets. God says they need to honor him full time. And so the key point in last week's teaching was these weren't, you know, bad to the bone kind of people. Their, their sin was they were, they were partial in their recognition of God's claim on their time. Certainly, God had the right to their sacrifices, their fasts, their ceremonies. God had a right to the religious stuff, the temple stuff, the church stuff. Choirs, offerings, Bibles, communion, that sort of stuff. Well, that's God's turf, but they reserve the rights to their own agendas. They go to college, they go to university, they go to the office, they go to work, they stay home. They're on sports teams, they travel, and they have their own lives. Thank you very much. God says, that won't work. God is looking for someone 
who doesn't choose their own way, like the text said, but one who, the one, there's not a lot of them, who will tremble at God's word. So what I want to do tonight, quite quickly, five, five features of a heart that trembles at God's word. Five things about that kind of heart. One, a trembling heart sees the authority of God behind everything in his word. We'll probably never know for certain how it comes about, how a heart suddenly awakens to, to making God important in all of life. But, but you always know when you've bumped into someone like that. They're, they're genuine. They're whole. Perhaps through trial, maybe financial setback, Perhaps through suddenly coming to grips, really coming to grips, maybe with the shortness of life that we all face, usually through encountering the pain and bondage that always eventually comes to not taking God seriously. Somehow they woke up, they bumped into God, and he was real. And he was big. However it happens, at some point, uh, this wasn't just a religious book. God's word started to count. Meat and muscle started to form on the bare habit of church going. It wasn't to score points. It wasn't to get to heaven. It was to hear God. It wasn't just to provide a good example for the kids. I hear that so many times. A mom and a dad who don't realize they need it more desperately than their kids do. Hearing God. The whole life suddenly wants to hear God seriously. So people who tremble at God's word, at some point, they, they start to hear it, but they hear it at a different level. They start to buy into it. They start to think it through for themselves. They care about it. You can actually see Moses reminding the people of exactly this point. It's in Deuteronomy 32, 46 and 47. Here's the same idea. Moses, he said to them, take to heart, take to heart all the words which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of the law. Look at this, 47, for it is no empty word for you, but your very life. This is, this is a seeing issue. You, you really can't force it on anybody. It's a matter of spiritual sight, perception. Pray about this more than you pray for your physical health. Pray about this more than you pray for your financial prosperity. Those needs are tiny in comparison to this. Paul prays for the Christians at Ephesus. First and foremost, that the 118, that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. So when you come to God's word, do you just see words? Do you just see topics? Or do you see this is your life here? That's what puts the trembling in a trembling heart. Point number two. A trembling heart will never form a case against immediately performing God's word. It'll never form a case against immediately performing God's word. 
And I think, I think here you have one of the clearest proofs of a heart that trembles at God's word. It would rather suffer any other loss than go against the teaching of the word of God. Everything else is secondary. Let me give you a beautiful picture of this. It's in the book of Revelation, chapter 6, verse 9. We did the whole book of Revelation. You can get that on, online. But just this thought here, Revelation 6, 9. And he opened the fifth seal, and I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain, slain because of the word of God. And the testimony they had maintained. It's quite a vision. You picture, picture all those, I mean, I don't know what that vision looked like for John. All those blood spattered souls piled up under this huge altar. What are they doing there? How did they get there? Well, they're there because they would rather be slain than go against the word of God. Other people, other people looked at the word of God, but didn't see what these people saw. Didn't treasure it the way these people treasured it. Others didn't have the same heart to stay close to God's word, to maintain it. That's the word in the text. Keeping the word would only be worth so much to a lot of them. But the heart that trembles at God's word It trembles at the thought of not yielding to the word more than the cost of honoring it. I mean, all of us, I mean, all of us give a certain amount of respect and reverence to God's word, certain level of, of buy-in. We've been, many of us, we've been raised to do so. And the beliefs get held pretty easily after a while. You know, the key doctrines, you can rattle them off, even if you don't think about them much during the day. So we're Christians sometimes with the same amount of effort that we're French or Italian or Ukrainian or English. My conviction is sooner or later, and I think the culture is going to make it sooner, each one of us, God will bring to a point where we have to, we have to choose our convictions rather than just coast with our convictions. There'll be a price tag to honoring God's word. God, I think, will bring each of us to a point, and I pray you're alert to it when it happens, a point where we will tremble one way or another. Either we'll tremble at the opinion of our friends and our peers, we'll tremble at the loss of coolness and power and wealth, or the loss of freedom, or we'll actually tremble inside and out because we might carelessly just miss out what God has for us in his word. That's the test. That's the test of where your heart stands. You come to a point of decision. And at that point, it's, it's not what you believe that reveals who you are. It's what you most fear giving up. That's, that's the measuring stick. When you're confronted with a choice between what you want and what God's word requires, that's the point of measurement. If there's anything you fear more than you feel, then you fear losing the, the pleasure and delight of God. Your Christian life will always be thin and it'll always be joyless. 
That's why you notice over and over again, the Bible equates wisdom, not, not with your beliefs, which can be held at an intellectual level. Wisdom always seems to be equated with what you fear. Notice, notice this, like Psalm 111 verse 10, the, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Not, not just a, a doctrinal knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And those who practice it, practice what? Well, the, this fear idea. Those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. So, so here's the best advice I can give you. When you come to that point, that point of choosing God when it costs, you are at the biggest shaping point of the rest of your Christian walk. No time is worth more weight and concentration and prayer and diligence than that one point. It's the tipping point of the rest of your walk with Jesus. Guard your heart when it comes. Tremble at God's word and you won't tremble at anything else. Okay, three. I said there were five signs. Here's three. Another sign of a heart that trembles at God's word. A trembling heart fears the judgment of God upon those who disregard his word. This is a hard topic, mainly because evangelical churches don't train us to consider any consequences to refusing to hear God's word, other than maybe a bit of a lack of personal fulfillment. We're not trained, taught to see consequences of not honoring God's word. To God, it's unbelievable that people wouldn't tremble at these consequences. I was looking at Jeremiah 5, 21 to 25. God speaks through the prophet. Listen to these words, Jeremiah 5, 21 to 25. Hear this. Oh, foolish and senseless people. It's not very flattering, is it? Who, who have eyes, but see not. Who, who have ears, but hear not. Now here's the surprise, 22. Do you not fear me? Declares the Lord. Do, do you not tremble before me? God can't figure out why. How could these people not tremble before him? They have no fear of God. God speaks, I place the sand as the boundary for the sea, a perpetual barrier that it cannot pass. Though the waves toss, they cannot prevail. Though they roar, they cannot pass over it. But this people, this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. They have turned aside. They've gone away. 24. God seems shocked. They they do not say in their hearts, Let us fear the Lord our God, who gives the rain in its season, the autumn rain, the spring rain, and who keeps for us the weeks appointed for the harvest. Your iniquities have turned these away. Your sins, your sins have kept good from you. So God, God, don't miss what's happening here. God says, what, what a strange thing that people People who rebel against me, who are so dependent on my patience and my mercy, who couldn't even last it without rain, that's the reason for mentioning it, these people will harden their hearts 
against my might and against my authority and all the angels in heaven just gasp in amazement? This trembling at God's word, there seems to be something in us that's too slow to wake up sometimes. These, these people in Jeremiah's day were already, already suffering judgment from disobeying the voice of God. The prophet says the fields, the crops were dying before their eyes as God closed up the heavens. And they're still choosing their own ways. So I, I see there's something beyond mere intellect here in trembling at God's word. Choosing my own way over God's is both blind and addictive. Keeps us from thinking deep thoughts. Social media turned us all into triflers. It's like a bad drug. Fourth sign of trembling at God's word. The one who trembles at God's word knows it reaches to the very depths and core of his being. Our our whole culture... Uh, trains us to deal with just the surface of our lives. We're driven by an entertainment mindset. We're taught to treasure things that have nothing to do with the core of our persons. And all of this, all of this makes it really hard for us to value God and tremble at his word. That's really, that's what that Isaiah 66 text is all about that we started out with. People had closed their eyes to the real God by, by just choosing their own ways when they weren't in the temple. So, so the result was they actually came to believe that a surface religion, just going to the temple, offering the sacrifices, that that was enough. That would keep God happy. They actually believed that. You can see how they came to think this way. It happens all the time. Because we live in a world that only looks at the surface of our lives, we start to look at the surface too. We, we learn only to take time to deal with frivolous things. This is where we're taught to put our attention. And if we come to believe that only the surface of our lives matters, probably that's all that God's going to care about too. In other words, skin-deep people create a skin-deep God. But it's just out of touch, hopelessly out of touch with the way God has made our hearts. God's word, uh, it, it never deals with the surface of our lives. You have to get used to that. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is, it's living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing. See, it cuts into, it's not on top, it's cutting like you cut a cake. It's not just the icing, it cuts right in. Piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts the intentions of the heart. So, so the one who trembles at God's word, he knows the level at which God desires to work. And he knows he confronts his own natural unwillingness to yield to that kind of divine probing. 
Only God's word will tell me the truth about my heart. Tremble before it. Last one, five. The fifth sign of the one who trembles at God's word is he's moved by God's unbelievable grace and promise. We're almost done. It may be surprising to some people, but the Bible teaches that it's not only the fear of the Lord that should make us tremble. We looked at that. But the goodness of the Lord should make us tremble too. Look at Psalm 211. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. And you think, well, that's a mistake. Those two words don't go together. Rejoice with trembling. And, and now, now we're ready. We're, we're seeing a clue as to what rejoicing with trembling means. The prophet Jeremiah, remember, he was amazed that the people didn't fear the Lord in spite of the fact that he was the one who sent the rain and gave them harvest. So in other words, the object, the real object in sending rain wasn't just to give a harvest. The real object was to make people think about God. Where does this come from? Just as the real reason God will send rain and he'll bring all your roses and your delphiniums to life this spring and your tomatoes will grow. It isn't so look, you can look at how pretty your yard is and sip lemonade. We all do that. But the real purpose is to make you stand in awe of God and tremble at his great goodness towards you. So God sends all these manifestations of grace the little ones in nature, the biggest ones in his son, sends all these manifestations of grace to make me more spiritually attentive and alert. Not not to consume all my energies just on personal enjoyment. Yeah. I know it's crude, uh, the illustration, but taking the pleasure without yielding the commitment. That's what prostitution is all about. And that's why, by the way, God calls these selective hearers of his word, he usually calls them adulterers. Not faithful, not lining up with what his grace ought to produce in their hearts. Today, well, it's as it has always been. God, say the scriptures, he sends his rain on the just and the unjust. The unjust, though, they don't think about God when it rains. That's the problem. God's goodness bounces off them like water. Sorry, the pun, the rain. Not so with the righteous. It's not just their gardens, but their hearts get softened by the rain of God's grace and love. They, they tremble in amazement before him. And nothing is ever wasted in a life like that. Here's the one to whom God looks. The one who trembles at his word. Let's pray. It was good to study again. Thanks for a a Lord's Day when we can have morning and night. Waking up our hearts in the morning. Comforting our hearts at night. Like the rising and setting of the sun, our lives are guided by your word at the beginning and at the close of a Lord's day. Bless your truth to our hearts. Nothing will work unless you take the truth 
of the seed of your word and water it and cause it to grow in all of our hearts. Thank you for your great grace. And we ask for your continued preserving, protecting, sustaining care over all our lives. Bless Cedarview Community Church, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Love one another and join us for our prayer time.